Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies right here on the day that God has ordained and destined for our lives. And I, I praise God that I have the opportunity to serve Him and to know Him today. And you know, folks, it's easy when you, when you think every day you get up and you're saying, you know, what opportunity has God set before me? And I know that He has, he has, he has set before us an open door. And we have to ask our question today, what is that doorway or that path that God desires us to walk into? Where is that, that place that he has, he has set before us? Maybe it's a, a testimony to share with someone. Maybe it's a, a praying for someone or witnessing to someone, you know. And so we need to ask ourselves on a daily basis, we get up, God, you know what? I, I don't want to be so caught up in the things of the world or the things of my schedule or anything else that I'll miss that open door of opportunity that you've set before me, literally, to have an impact on eternity. And so we've got a, we've got a destiny in Christ Jesus in this and it's to be world shakers and history makers for the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to do this morning. So I'm looking and I'm praying and I believe in God for some, uh, uh, that I would have eyes to see those open doors of opportunity that he has set before us because he said, I've set before you open doors and to make an impact in someone's life through the, the sharing of the word of God and through the, the, the giving of our testimonies and people that we encounter on a daily basis. So I hope that's what you're expecting today. I, I want to walk in the spirit of expectancy and having a heart towards those type of things. So Good to be here today. If you're joining us for the, the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. It's a ministry of uh, uh, Raven Ministries International. Uh, Raven is an acronym for Restoring a Vision and Evangelizing Nations. When it comes right down to it, folks, we are all about lifting up Jesus and, 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 and telling people about Him. Uh, we're not building our own kingdom because the Word says that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. We're about lifting up Jesus, bringing people into to the kingdom of God through repentance and faith towards God into a relationship with Jesus and building them up as that spiritual house. We believe that church is not a destination, but church is a destiny. And anything short of that is idolatry. And so we want to make people out of the church, not buildings out of the church. And uh, we want to lift up and strengthen folks and to, to deposit the Word of God into them and to, and to bring them to a place of, of, of repentance and, and, and coming to Christ Jesus for salvation. So if you're wondering what we're all about, we're here to instruct in the ways of righteousness, to study, to, to show ourselves approved unto God, and to, to get into God's Word and allow God's Word to get into us. So if you're business for the first time, we are doing an expository teaching on the book of Romans. This is our 41st class, but never fear if you're, if you're coming in late. All of these classes are available online by going to ravenoutreach.blogspot.com. Between myself and Brother Steve Ignowski of Lifeline Ministries, we've made those things available for you for download. You can download them to your computer in MP3 format. Burn them on a disc, uh, put them on your iPod, whatever it is, to get that word into you and, and literally to, 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 to have a place, a table spread to come and feast. And I think you'll be... Uh, uh, surprisingly blessed by the, the teachings that you get. We've been we've been amazed that these teachings, as they get out, uh, typically uh, between five and six thousand downloads on those. So we know that the word is getting out into people's lives, literally all over the world, as we receive testimonies back of people taking these things and sharing them. So good to be here, and let's pray and just ask God's blessing to be here and God's wisdom to give us understanding. You know, He promised us that in, in John chapter fourteen that that He would send a Comforter and He would lead us and guide us into all truth. And so that's what we want today. We don't want our eyes or our understanding to be clouded. We want our hearts to be open and receptive to the things of God today in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you today, Lord God. And we just declare that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. That he's been given a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, we just declare his lordship. And His majesty today, Lord God. Father, we thank You, Lord God, that we are just servants unto Him. Even as, as Paul said in Romans chapter 1, that we are bond servant, servants unto Him. Father, I thank You that we have been bought with a price, Lord God, and our lives are not our own, Lord God. Father, this is not something that we're testing out or trying out, Lord God. But Lord God, this is something that we are sold out to, and it's serving Christ and Him crucified, the power of God. And we thank You that the Word says, if any man desires to, to be your disciple, Lord God, they've got to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow after you, Lord God. Today, we are just following, Lord God, in your, in your footsteps and your precepts, Lord God, looking into your word, Lord God, because we want to know exactly what you've called us to do, Lord God, and how to do those things, Lord God, relative to your kingdom. Father, I pray for everyone that's here today, Lord Jesus. 
I pray for wisdom. I pray for understanding, Lord God. Father, I come against any blockade of the adversary, Lord God, over our minds or over our, our communication. Father, the Word calls him the prince and the power of the air. So we know that he, he functions and he operates, Lord God, with that realm, Lord God, of influence out in the airways even. But Father, we just bind him up in the name of Jesus, Lord God, because the Word tells us that upon the rock Christ that you'll build your church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Father, we, we, we declare, Lord God, your Lordship, Lord God, upon the heavens and upon on the earth, Lord God, and everything in between, that they've got to declare that Jesus is Lord. And so, Father, today, Lord God, we just take authority over that adversary, and we just take authority, Lord God, even over our flesh, Lord God, and we just give our members, Lord God, our physical members, our mind, our thinking, our emotions, our understanding, we give those things and we yield them under your hands, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that you would do a work in us. Father, expose the darkened areas of our heart, Lord God, those those darkened recesses that, 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 that Lord God, we, we try to, to, to put aside and to, to, to hide things in. We just pray, Lord God, that you would just search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us, Lord God, and know our thoughts and see if there be any wicked way within us, Lord Jesus. We don't we don't want to come to your table, Lord God, into this altar of sacrifice of your word, Lord God, with, with any odd in our heart or unforgiveness. So, Father, we just ask you to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, to forgive us and to purge us, Lord God, from our sins and our iniquities, Lord Jesus. Be here, Lord God. Move in power. Move in authority, Lord God. Train us up, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Uh, excited about serving Jesus. This is the, the, the our last class of the week, but got a good weekend coming. I know there's ministry that's going all over uh, the, the country, literally through Raven Ministries. If if you're interested, if you're listening to this and you want to know about the, the ministry of Raven, you can go to BigGrace.com. That's B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. And you can click down. The, there's a link on the very bottom. It says uh, Raven Nation. And a little red, white, and blue down at the very bottom. You can click on that and it'll give you our affiliate teams that are literally from coast to coast. You can click on their, their blogs and it'll tell you their schedule and different things that they got going throughout the week. We got ministry literally happening uh, from coast to coast and into Canada. So if you want to get involved in ministry, you want to hook up with someone or you're doing ministry and we can help in any way, man, we love to do that as well. We'll come alongside you. It's not about it's not about Raven Ministries. It's about Jesus. And uh, uh, we wholeheartedly love to network with the body of Christ and to be a part. So if you're doing something and you could use an extra hand in one of the areas, uh, I tell you what, we'd love to come out and, and assist you in any type of way or lend our resources or, or, or whatever it is that we have, manpower. Uh, if you need us to come out and, and do some work, praise God, we don't mind doing that as, as, as well because uh, we know that the greatest in the kingdom are the servant of all. So we want to have a servant's heart relative to doing the things that Jesus has called us to do. So you can go to that, biggrace.com, Raven Nation. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to have you. And if you're, you're like I said, if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, uh, appreciate your, uh, your comments and questions. If you have any comments or questions, I am Pastor Troy. I'm the Executive Director of Raven Ministries International and uh, uh, the Director of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. If you have a question for me, you can email Pastor Troy, myself, at raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com, R-A-V-E-M-N, R-A-V-E-N at B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E dot com. Glad to answer any of your questions uh, the best that I can and just give you uh, whatever God is speaking to me. So good to have you once again. I, I came across a very interesting and powerful scripture this morning as I just uh, kind of re- was reading the word it's in preparation for this time. And, and I think it really kind of directly speaks to the time uh, that we take to study his word and to grow literally in the, in the fear of the Lord. And it's taken from the, the, the 119th Psalm. Tremendous Psalm. Psalm, big psalm, powerful psalm, right there in the middle of the Bible. And it's it's out of Psalms 119, uh, verses 30 through 38. I want, I want to read this to you. It, it says that I have chosen, this is the psalm of David, in Psalms 119, 30 through 38. He said, I have chosen the way of truth. And he said, your judgments I have laid before me. Now listen to that. He said, the, the way of truth, he said, I have chosen the the way of truth. Folks, I, I got something to tell you. As we've studied the book of Romans, uh, Romans 1, uh, 1, 1 through now, Romans uh, uh, 3.25, all those things. Listen, we've got to choose the way of truth. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by him. But folks, everything that we do in relationship to, 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 to our relationship with Jesus is that choice. You know, Joshua 24, even under the Old Covenant, Joshua stood and began to, to give the declarations of all the um, miraculous things that God had done through their generations and all the testimonies that they had seen in their lives and, and, and those things. And, and he made the point. He said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And he said, As for me and my house, 
We're going to serve the Lord. And so every single day, can I say it again? Every single day, you may want to say it to yourself, every single day I have got to rise from my bed and choose the way of truth. Because when every single day you get up and there is a plethora, there is a, 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 a menagerie, if I may, of choices that are laid before you. There's choices to do righteousness and there's choices to do unrighteousness. But, but David said, I have chosen the way of truth. And I, I want to ask you today, are you choosing the way of truth? Are you choosing the way of truth in your, in your thought life? Are you choosing the way of truth in your, your relationships? Are you choosing the way of truth in, your, in your, your service unto God? Are you choosing the way of truth in your, in your, uh, in your, your, your commitment unto Him and your, your faithfulness to, to, to holiness and to righteousness? Are you choosing the way of truth? Folks, cho- uh, truth is a choice. And you know what? There's, and like I said, there's all these other choices. The bad part about that is, is many of these Choices that are contrary to the word of truth, the word of God, are, 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 are proposed to us and they're made available to us by things that, that look very noble, that look very righteous, the things that call themselves church. And so those choices are made. So the question is, are we choosing the way of truth, not a way of truth? And so that the way of truth can only be discerned or ascertained by studying the Word of God. And so it's so relative to us to study the Word of God. That way we know the Word of truth. You know, I think it's Casting Crowns that, that, that sings the song, The Voice of Truth. A tremendous song, you know. And he, he gives these, these uh, analogies through Scripture about the storm, about the giant, different type of things. And he says, you know, the, the voice of truth tells me a different story. And folks, there is a voice of truth. There's a, there's, there's a voice that, that rings true to our heart that lines up with the Word of God, that, that doesn't take upon itself the, the, the thoughts and the, the, the false and rudimentary teachings of men or the traditions of men or, or the, 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 the vain philosophies of men, but it's the Word of God that resonates within our heart. And he says, Your judgments I have set before me. And so, folks, you know what? The way of truth is a choice that, that comes with great demands and great consequences. It's a way that demands you to sit down and literally to count up the cost according to, to Luke 14, 28. And so if I'm going to choose the, the way of truth, I need to sit down and, and count up the cost. And so if I'm going to say, you know what, God, I want your truth. Listen, folks, it's going to cost you. And it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your opinion. It's going to cost you your ambition. It's going to cost you all your own personal dream, all those, all your own philosophies or ideologies or, or anything that, that is, is, was birthed or, 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 or started in you, it's going to cost you those things. Why? Because truth demands holiness and righteousness. And folks, in and of ourselves, there's no truth or holiness and righteousness. That only comes through allowing the Spirit of God to come in our lives and change and transform us. So it comes when you've got to sit down and, and count up the cost. Well, a man sat down and, and proposed to build a building without seeing if he has what it takes to, to finish that course. Absolutely not. So we've got to do the same thing as we come into a relationship with Christ. I want to say that to really motivate you as you as you walk out the gospel and as you preach the gospel to others. You need to preach a gospel to other folks and to share it uh, that, that has a high price. It's not an easy believism. It's not something that, that, that is... Uh, it's just merely reciting a, a, a Christian mantra. But it's saying, listen, there's a cost. It's going to cost you every single thing. Folks, uh, it, it may decrease your number, quote, un, of, quote, unquote, of decisions, but the decisions that are made are going to be good and lasting and eternal decisions. And somebody's not going to find themselves standing at the, the throne room of, of grace, mercy, and of judgment. And, and God said, I didn't know you. And they said, well, somebody told me if I just prayed this prayer that God had such a happy plan for me. Folks, you've got to choose the way of truth because His judgments have been laid before Him. And folks, when it says that His, his judgments I've laid before me, it's not speaking of judgment in the sense of a verdict or of a, a condemnation, but rather when it says that His judgments are before it's speaking of His cause or His standard or His measurement or His way. And He has revealed or, or laid before us a standard that's acceptable to Him. So when David said, I've chosen the way of truth because your standard has been laid before me. You've showed me. And folks, as we come into this Word, as we study the book of Romans as we look at what God has instructed us to do in, in the relationship to, to, to righteousness and truth and holiness in God. He has laid the standard before us. He has set the standard. He has set the stage as we talked about yesterday that if He be lifted up, that if, he, if He's crucified, He's going to set the standard. He's going to draw men to Him through the wooing, through that, 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 that divine influence of grace upon our hearts and its reflection upon faith in our lives. God is going to draw but He has set the stage and set the standard. And so what we've got to endeavor to do, what I want to endeavor to do on a daily basis as we teach the Word of God is to, to lay out the, the measurement and the standard of Christ Jesus. I don't want to, because of my 
own inabilities or my own failure, my own errancy or anything else to diminish the standard. That way it's, a, it's acceptable and it's, and it's easy and it's maintainable in the natural. Folks, listen, we have got to cause a standard of righteousness to be lifted that's going to draw us to that place. It's going to elevate us to, to a place that's, that's holy and acceptable unto the living God, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Then he goes on to say in verse 31, he said, I cling. He said, I've chosen the way of truth. Your judgments have I laid before. And he said, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. Folks, he said, I cling to it. Now think about Revelation 6, 9. Revelation 6, 9. He said, when he opened the, the, the fifth seal, he said, I saw under the altar of souls those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had clung to. Now listen, folks, it says, it says when we begin to see the revel, the, that revelatory letter unfolding, we begin to see the, 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 the revelation of the unveiling of Jesus Christ. We look here in the sixth chapter of that revelation, the ninth verse, he said, when I, when I opened that seal, he saw, I said, I saw under the altar, where that altar in heaven, we talked about the, the propitiation, we talked about that, that altar which was a type, and we talked about the, the golden altar in the, in the holy place, which is that, that place of, a, of, of that, that, that incense now. That intercession. But in, in heaven, the real altar is there. That was just a type and shadow. He said, but when I opened it, he said, I saw those, those that had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had clung to. Folks, listen, you have got to cling to your testimony. You have got to cling to truth. You have got to cling to the Word of God. Literally, if you're clinging to something, that is like getting a death grip. That is grabbing hold of something. And it's just like that woman with the issue of blood when she touched him. That word touch doesn't mean just some, uh, some inadvertent touch. It means that it's a grabbing with a death grip. It's that same grip that Jacob had when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. It says that, that he, he wrestled, he clung to him. He didn't want to let go of him. He said, I'm not going to let go until you, you bless me. Folks, we've got to say to ourselves, I'm not going to get out of God's Word. I'm not going to back off. Even though I may struggle with my understanding, I'm going to cling to that Word. I'm going to cling to my profession of faith. I'm going to cling to holiness and righteousness. I'm going to cling to truth. I'm going to cling to, 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 to dedication and faithfulness to those things. And he said, and, and, Oh Lord, and do not put me to shame. We talked about 2 Timothy 2.15 To study, to show yourself approved unto God A workman who need not be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth And so if I'm clinging to those things I've got to, to hold on to those things And he says in verse 32 He said, I run the course of your commandments For you shall enlarge my heart Folks, listen, we've got to cling to the testimony and be willing to run that course Or let that course play out Or to, to, to press towards that way Knowing that there's no exits for us in the kingdom. That listen, we, we walk a, a straight path. It's a narrow way. And it's not a way that's it's, it's filled with detours or rest stops along the way. He said, I run the course. And so Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Let us run with patience the race or that course that is set before us. And so as we study the Word and we get into the Word of God, we've got to set that race, set, set our, our, our course on that race that is set before us and not look to the, to the left or to the right. Then in verse 33, 34, and 35, he says, Teach me, O Lord. How many of you want to be taught? I want to be taught the Word of God. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. How? When he gives me understanding. Lord God, we need understanding today. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. To observe doesn't mean just to look upon. It means I shall do those things. They shall play out. I will be not only observant, but I will be walking and adamant towards those things. Then he says in verse 35 of, of uh, Psalms 119, he says, Make me walk in your paths, uh, uh, in the paths of your commandments. He said, For I delight in it. And, and now think about this, Isaiah 58, 4. He said, Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. And feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And so what he does, he, he wants us to begin to delight our, ourselves in the Lord. And we know the scripture out of Psalms that says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But see, your heart will only manifest those desires as your heart is changed and transformed. And as your heart and the desires of your heart come in agreement with the desires of his heart. And so as I delight myself in him, in his truth, in, 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 that, in that, that, that testimony, as I cling to Him, I'm gonna, my heart is going to be changed and transformed and I'm going to be made to walk in those type of things. Uh, verse 36, Incline my heart to your testimony and not to covetousness. Turn away my, ear, my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted 
to fearing you. Folks, I've got to say this to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. Ecclesiastes 10, 10. It says this. It says, If the axe is dull and the edge is unsharpened, it says more strength is needed, but wisdom will bring about success. Folks, listen. If your axe is dull, you know why we come today? We, we, we come today to, 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 to sharpen our axe, to sharpen our sword, to sharpen our, our tools. But folks, I want to tell you something today. And I, I've got to remind you on this, on this Friday, 41 classes. We are in uh, the fight of our lives, literally. In true, yet we are in the fight for our lives. There is a battle that is raging. There is a fight and there is a very real adversary who is Satan, who is, who is hell-bound. And so he is hell-bent on wreaking as much havoc, is breathing as much deception, and destroying as, as many lives as possible in the limited amount of time that he actually has. We are in a fight. We are in a, in a battle. But if our, our axe is dull and it's unsharpened, it's going to take more strength. It's going to wear you out. And so as we come to the table of the Lord, as we come to the Word of God, what we are doing is sharpening the edge of that, 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 that Word in our life. We're sharpening ourselves as iron sharpened as iron. And we're, we're holding that edge. That way we can... We can we we can, we can chop more wood for the kingdom of heaven, so to speak. And so as the hour closes, the adversary gets more and more desperate. He gets more and more despicable in all of his actions. And so, folks, what I'm seeing, and I know many of you are seeing the exact same thing, uh, him do is to choose his battles more carefully. Now, what he's done is he is pulling, and I'm speaking of him being the adversary, the devil, old, old Slewfoot, what he is doing, and I, and I see it in the Spirit, he is pooling his resources, and literally what you'll find is he is concentrating on areas that appear to be the most threatening to his plan. And I believe that the reason that he is pooling his resources is he is, he is concentrating his efforts in certain places. He's doing it because he's already gained really the necessary foothold in, 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 in that he needed in the modern church. You can see it, that modern church is literally on cruise control. It gets more and more wicked all the time. You know, the Word tells us in the last days that there will be a great uh, uh, departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We know those things that the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We know those things. They'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Guys, the die has been set and it's been cast. And so the adversary knows that he's got a foothold on that and he's got them on cruise control. And so now now he has them in this, this routine of you know two hours on Sunday and maybe a fellowship dinner on Wednesday, followed by maybe a, a 20 minute pseudo message on, on uh, following that and, and 40 minutes of choir practice and, and maybe even a cell group on Friday that takes people out of the harvest fields of the city going out and telling people about Jesus. And so he's got them on cruise control. He's got them in a routine of, 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 of basically a spiritual impotence. They're, they're not producing, they're, they're, they're not uh, uh, moving in power, they're, they're not bringing about any any victory and so he, he knows uh, uh, that he's got them in that place so what he's doing is is he is focusing his attention somewhere else he, he, Satan knows what the Bible teaches he knows that Amos 9.13 says this behold the days are coming and folks I believe that the days are now saith the Lord when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the, the treader of grapes him who sows seed and so he knows that the day is coming that the harvest is just like that by the time you plant a seed there's a Already is, there's already fruit coming out of that seed. When, you, when you're going into the streets, when you're going into the jailhouses, that it's almost like before that word can come off your mouth, someone is saying, what must I do to get saved? He knows that. But he also knows, how will they know unless we preach? How can they hear without a preacher? How can we go unless we're sent? And so what he is doing is he has set his sights on the harvest field and on harvesters that are gone out to occupy those places of harvest. And so if he can keep the harvesters out of the fields long enough, he knows that the fruit literally will rot on the vine and will be spoiled from harvesting. And so the adversary is really uh, pulling his efforts against harvesters and the harvest field. And so that is why, folks, it's imperative for you and I to continue literally to drag our sickle across the edge of that spiritual whetstone and bring that spiritual instrument of harvest to a, literally a razor sharpness. And 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 23 through 27 says this. 9, 23 through 27. He says this. He says, Paul the Apostle speaking to the church at Corinth. He said, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. He said, Do you not know that in a race all the, the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He said, Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in those games goes into strict 
training. Folks, you may be saying to yourself, some of you folks are saying to yourself, man, listen, there, this is... This teaching has been so detailed. It's 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 tedious at times, folks. We're in strict training. I, I'm no I'm no means going to bring you into the training, bring you into the Word of God, and just brush over those type of things. It is imperative that we set our sights and our affections upon the 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 the, the deep things of God, and we 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 grab and we we, we grab everything and, and that God has for us, and we say, God, I need discernment, I need teaching, I need to drag my 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 my, my sickle across that whetstone of Your Word and allow that Word to get into me. We're in strict training. It says they do it to get a crown that will that will not last. That's what people do in the world. He said, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Folks, listen, when we sit down at the Word of God, listen, what we are doing is not something that's temporary. It doesn't stop when the hour-long teaching ends. It's not going to stop at the end of this expository teaching on the book of Romans. What we are doing, we are laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven where moth and dust do not corrupt, where thieves cannot break through and steal. Why? Because where your, your heart is, your, 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 your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so this is that treasure that He has given us in earthen vessels, that Word that He has put into our lives. And Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Therefore, do not run like a man running aimlessly. We've got to run. We've got to study very precisely. We've got to study the deep things of God. He said, do not fight like a man beating the air with his fist. In other words, folks, we're not shadow boxing. We are in a real ring, the ring of life. We are facing a real adversary, the devil, who goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That, 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 that he is wicked. He is, he, is, he, is, he is cunning. He is shrewd. He is a, a, a devourer. He is a destroyer. He is an accuser. And we are in a very battle. But Paul the Apostle said in verse 27 of, of 1 Corinthians 9, he said, No. He said, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Folks, listen. Yeah, do you've got to condition yourself? Do you've got to uh, discipline yourself? Absolutely. It takes a discipline. It takes me a discipline every single day when I begin to hear my alarm go off at, at 5.30 in the morning. It takes discipline every single day when I have to spend hours uh, seeking the face of God and, and studying the Word of God and, and thinking, God, is what, what benefit does it have? What consequence is, is it going to have? Yeah, it takes discipline to those days to, to go to the streets and think, man, I'm busy, but I've got to go witness. Does, does it take discipline? Yeah, I've got to beat my body and I've got to make it a slave to righteousness rather than a slave to the flesh. I may say I want to go do one other thing but man God is compelling me to do something else to think a different way, to preach a different way to, to say a different way we, I was talking to friends last night. We were just discussing type of things and, and the way the the, the the message of the cross has been diminished to such a degree that it's become literally uh, much of the modern church has become enemies of the cross. And we were just talking about what kind of what we're touched on here about just resources for the harvest. And I said, you know, the adversary really attacks in those type of areas. If he can keep harvesters out of the harvest, he knows that that that, that harvest is going to rot and it won't be gatherable because people will be discouraged, their hearts will be hardened, uh, they, they, they they'll be on stony ground all those other type of things. And I said, but we've got to go do those things, but we've got to maintain that, that razor-sharp edge. And I said, you know, I know people that have been harvesters at one time, but because of the cares of the world, because of the lack of resources, what they've done is they've tapered off their message. And they, they, they've stopped preaching holiness and righteousness and repentance. Why? Because they saw that it affected their pocketbook. They saw that the great big offerings and the great big invitations to come weren't in those places that, that you're not going to get invited. Folks, listen, I don't care if I get invited anywhere. I'm not running for office. I'm not seeking popularity. I'm not seeking the approval of men. Because one day I will not have to stand before a man. I will stand before God, the righteous judge. And so I've got to beat my body under subjection. I've got to become a slave to holiness and to righteousness. And regardless if it costs me everything, regardless if I've got to, 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 to crawl through whatever my circumstance to, to, that I may pursue Christ, I count those things at loss that I might win Christ Jesus. We've got to do those things. Otherwise, when I preach to others, he said, I will be disqualified from the prize. So I want to really encourage you folks to stay focused as we continue on our teaching and to not grow weary in well-doing or that, 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 that kalopeo is the word for well-doing in the Greek or in doing what is virtuous and doing what is upstanding which you've got to you've got to press into that virtue press into that, that kalopeo press into that place that, that's, that's going to cause you to be upstanding to be walk in righteousness knowing that those that walk godly and live righteously in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution grabbing hold of those things because in due season, 
You shall reap. That's our harvest for souls. We're going to reap if we do not think, or if we do not become despondent, or if we do not relax in our walk, or if we do not back down or taper down in the things that God has called us to. So I really want to encourage you in those things to stay focused on our teaching, stay focused on the Word of God as you study to show yourself approved unto Him, uh, rightly dividing that Word of truth. And so Romans 3, uh, chapter 23, verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 30, 23 through 31 we're going to look at we're going to look at all these together. And so we, we looked at verse we've looked at twenty three through twenty five really in depth for a good a good period of our study the last couple of weeks that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. That's the problem. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's our solution. Whom God has set forth to be that propitiation through faith in His blood to declare the righteousness for the remissions that are sin passed through the forbearance of God. That's the explanation. So, folks, what I want to do today is 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 going to be a little bit different than, than some of our previous teachings because what I'm going to do is I, it's going to I'm going to I'm going to go it's going to be like a fast forward and then I'm going to rewind back to the main point that I want to make in our text today. And so, yesterday we dealt with the issue issue of faith, or we established that everything we do in relationship to His kingdom must uh, be faith based. It must be faith built, and it must be faith breathed. And so. Everything and put that down and get that in your spirit that we've got to everything that we do in relationship to His kingdom has got to be faith based. It's got to be faith built, and it's got to be faith breathed. And so everything we do has got to be upon those that we've got to build upon that base, that foundation, which is the Word of God. There is that that base, and we've got to build through faith. Anything we put our hands to, it's got to be through faith. We've got to count up the cost on those things. And so faith based, built upon the Word of God. Faith built, considering the cost it's going to have, but also faith breathed. We talked about it from day one, that, that the Word was inspired, given by men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was the Theonustos. It was God-breathed. And so if it's God-breathed, it is faith-breathed. And so everything that we do, faith-based, faith-built, and faith-breathed. Everything has got to walk out of them. And so, folks, nothing short of that moral conviction of the truthfulness of God, which is obviously the, the definition for faith, can be considered kingdom uh, material. And so if we're building something, we've got to build it out of kingdom material. And so it's got to be faith material. Not of our good works or our, our, our good deeds. It can't flow through that. It can't flow through our good intentions. It can't flow through our, our good ideas or our, our good plans. It can't flow through our good looks. It can't flow through our goodness. It can't flow through anything good. Why? Because there's none good, not even one. All have fallen out of the way. The only goodness can come out of Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus is the embodiment, the incarnation of faith. So everything we do has got to be consistent with faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The only measurable standard that heaven recognizes is the standard of holiness and of righteousness. Folks, we can all get together and we can come up with good ideas and, and come up with sweet ideas. We can come up with benevolent ideas. We can come up with, with, with ideas that will fill, fill buildings with people or fill stadiums with people that will put monies in our pockets. But I tell you what, if those things do not line up with the Word of God, regardless of how good they look in this lifetime, they will not stand to declare your righteousness in the next. What they will do is stand and, and take the witness stand against you upon the day of, of judgment and they will testify against you because some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust in the name of my God. I'm going to trust in the Word of God, in that Word of truth. So, Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin, or it misses that target, it misses that place, it misses that, that standard. And so I want to have a devotion, even as the, the Word of God said in, 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 in Psalms 119 and 38, that establish the Word, I want to be devoted to, to fearing you. And the only way I'm going to fear God is to know God through faith. And so we are not in this walk to wield a shotgun that we can hopefully blast away and in hope of hitting maybe something along the way and, and hopefully doing something that God will find pleasing to us. And if we just do enough things, hopefully one of those things are going to stand. No, folks, we are aiming literally at a spiritual bullseye. We are honing our skills to press towards that Mark that one solitary mark, that, that bullseye on what God has called us to for the high calling of God, which is only in Christ Jesus. This faith must be in His blood. And so that, that what I said right there, that faith must be in His blood. That's where we're going to rewind back to in a bit. But he goes on to say, and, and remember guys, this is a Jewish audience. 
whom he utilized we gave that powerful testimony and that long teaching on the subject of the tabernacle so this is a Jewish audience that he's really still kind of directing this, this commentary on right here and so he done it and this was done, this, this being his, this, this death, this tabernacle, this death, burial, and resurrection. And he, he gave it to, to, to share with us. And what he's telling us is he gave it to satisfy the requirement that is necessary to remit these sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That's what we read there in verse 25. And so I want to read verse 25 again. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of of God. And so that Jewish audience, he's speaking to them, they're understanding this is tabernacle talk. That most of you now that have looked at our, our last messages, you've understood these type of things. And so what Paul was revealing to them that everything that ever they ever did was what had, had been strictly was to put their sin in remission. And so uh, remission is actually two two words in the Greek text text. And you know things that you know somebody comes down with a disease, you know, someone has diagnosed with cancer and maybe they go in and you say, Well it's been cured and they say, No, but it's in remission. Or somebody has leukemia, you say, Well you did get cured, no, it's in remission. Does that mean it's gone? No, it means it's sitting there laying in wait. And folks, and so when he told them, he said, uh, all these things, uh, faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins, what he was telling them, listen, all those things that you saw in that propitiation, you saw in the tabernacle, they were there to put your sins in remission. So actually two words that are used in the Greek text. The first word is used, and you can write these things down and look at them later. Matthew 26, 28. Matthew 26, 28. Ephesians 1, 7. Ephesians 1, 7. Colossians 1, 14. Hebrews 9.22 So Matthew 26.28 Ephesians 1.7 Colossians 1.14 And Hebrews 9.22 when the, when, the, when the word remission is used in those texts It's literally to put something off It's to put off To put off It's to put off It's to put off And so when my kids would tell me Dad I'm going to do something they'll, they'll tell me I'll ask them to do something And they'll try to put it off They'll try to put it off Try to put it off To keep from having to deal with it Or to do it And so when it talks about it In those, those, those four verses right there That's what it's talking about Putting it off but in this verse, in, in Romans 3.25, there's a different word that's used. And it means to pass over or to let pass. Folks, prior to the cross, prior to the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross, all the Jews had was a promise looking forward. That's literally all they had. Everything they looked forward to, we discussed that the, the, the propitiation, that was just the tabernacle, was a looking forward to a, a promise that was made. From, from day one, from, from Genesis, when, when Adam and Eve got expelled from the garden, there was a looking forward to something that God was going to offer through his, his son Jesus. That's why the word says that Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was that promise that was established be, before man could ever fall. He was, he was, God had a plan that, that was, that was in place for the redemption of mankind regardless of whatever happened. And so they had a promise looking forward. So everything prior to Calvary was put off or passed over until the true sacrifice could be made. And so when they came and they brought their sacrifice to the brazen altar and they laid that lamb out and the blood was spilt, it put it off. And so it was a put off. And it was a Passover. And so we get the, we get the, the word Passover, the Jewish uh, festival and celebration of Passover. And we, we look in, uh, in the Exodus prior to leaving Egypt. What happened? They took the blood and they put it up on their doorpost. That way when the angel of death came over, which would bring judgment, he passed those things over. And so what he was telling them is, he said, what you've seen is, is that remission, that, that, that grace, that 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 divine influence is called and caused the Passover to come upon your life until that true thing could come. Then he said, through the forbearance of God at the end of that verse 25. Literally, forbearance means just the tolerance. God has tolerated it. He has tolerated it. He has tolerated it. But we know that something's going to happen. Genesis 3.6. Genesis 3.6 tells us this. It says that the Spirit will not always strive with man. It will not only always uh, 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 tolerate the things that people are doing. People say all the time, if God is so good and God is so righteous, uh, why do these bad things happen? Folks, all we are witnessing is the forbearance of God. Because God will judge the world in righteousness one day, and it's going to be swift, it's going to be complete, and it's going to be final. And so when He does those things, when, his, when, 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 when He will no longer strive with man or have a forbearance with man, uh, according to Genesis uh, 3.6, judgment is going to come. But remember this, folks. Remember it. As we look at society, as we look at the church, the time will come when judgment will begin at the house of the Lord. And look at it in our own lives as well. That judgment withheld does not mean judgment withdrawn. I want to say that again. Judgment withheld 
is not judgment withdrawn. There will eventually have to be full payment. And so that's what Jesus uh, did on the cross for all those sins that they, they killed the lamb for. They had faith in something would happen. Their, their judgment was withheld, but it wasn't withdrawn. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. Same thing with us, folks. We have to put faith in the cross, looking backwards to the cross. So everything centers around those type of things. It's like these people that have these payday loans. And we was driving by one day and somebody pointed out this payday deal and said, man, that's a trap. They begin to talk about this. You, you tell them and they, you write them a post-dated check and uh, the, the, the interest rate is enormous. And by the time you get there, you don't, you don't, your check's eaten up by that. And so what they do is they have to get another one, get another one. Pretty soon you get a check and you don't get any of it, not even a percentage of it. And so that's what happens when, when, when we refuse to repent when, and, and judgment comes. It eats away and it eats away and it eats away. And boom, the reckoning's got to come. Then it goes on to say in verse 26 of Romans 3. He says, Declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier which believe in him. Folks, listen. The declaration that's always got to be made is not in our good deeds or our good works. Sure, do we do those things? Absolutely. The Word tells us that we're saved by grace, through faith. We're saved by the divine influence of God upon our heart through the moral conviction of His truthfulness. Not of our own works. But it goes on to say that we are created unto good works. And so we've we got to do those things. But folks, listen. The declaration has always got to be the righteousness of God. We don't say we do those things to be righteous, we do those things because we are righteous in Christ Jesus. That we've been declared righteous through the blood of Jesus, through His sacrifice, through faith in Him, through repentance, towards, uh, towards being literally dedicated to, 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 to the fear of the Lord and walking in those precepts. And so there's that righteousness. And we know from Isaiah 64.6 that self-righteousness is filthy rags. And so if there's a declaration that's got to be made, we don't boast in our flesh. We don't boast in our abilities. We don't boast in what we know or what we've done. We boast in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. John 7.38 says this. Here's, I'm going to go back and read that again. He said, I declare at this time His righteousness that He might be just and a justifier of them which believe in Jesus. Which what? Which believe. He justifies those that believe. So He declares righteous those that believe. And so folks, now we've got to get to the point of what does it really mean to believe? And so we tell people, listen, hey, do you believe in God? Uh, well, yeah, I believe in God. Well, they must be okay. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe. Folks, listen, that's not the litmus test. The, 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 the Bible tells us that, that the devil the, the, uh, believes and trembles at his name. And so belief isn't just simply acknowledging that, that truth. They're acknowledging that. Belief is much different. We know it from John seven thirty eight when Jesus came to the, to the well and the woman was there at the well, the woman of Samaria. And, and most of you folks know the, the story that he asked her. He said, where's your husband? And, and, and she said, I don't have a husband. He said, no, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not even it. And, but he began to, to offer her the drink. And he said, if he that believes on me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So if I believe... In, in agreement with the Scripture, if I believe in conjunction with the Scripture, what's going to happen? There's going to be a belief that's going to produce out of my belly, out of my innermost being, live rivers of living water. The Gospel is going to come out of my life. The truth is going to come out of my life. Holiness is going to come out of my life. Everything that flows out of my life is going to be consistent with the Word of God. And so that's consistent. You can look at... Uh, 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 John 7.38 and in John chapter 4 where it gives the, 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 the scripture and gives the story of the woman at the well. And so folks, then it goes on to say in verse uh, 27 through 31. I want to read those all together. He said, Where is boasting then? Is it excluded? By what, the, by what law of works? No. He said, But by the law of faith. What are we going to boast in? We're going to boast in the law of faith. He said, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he, is, he the, uh, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles only. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and circumcision through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid we establish the law. Right there in the, in the nutshell, and I'm going to get into a lot of detail on those verses that you see there, those what five verses, uh, verses 27 through 31, when we get to Romans chapter 8. So I'm not going to go into a whole, whole lot of depth on those today because I really want to address it within the context of Romans 8 because I, I believe it will give you some clarity and, and you'll see some things. But what he was telling them then, listen, you folks have, have come under a law, but he's telling you, is there a justification in those law? No, there's a justification only in the law of faith because we are justified apart 
from the deeds of the law. In other words, the things that we do, our, our justification uh, is, is not predicated upon those type of things. Folks, if we think for a minute that we can do something uh, legalistically in order to, to obtain the favor of God, it's never going to happen. God will never love you more than He loves you right now. Before, before you were born again, God loved you. The Word says, For God so loved the world. There was a great love for us. But does love, is, is it going to withhold judgment from the non-repentant? Absolutely not. There is that. First John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. God, right now, because He has withheld judgment, because we're living in an age of grace, we see the, the, the righteousness of God bringing forth that, that proponent. So nothing that you can do is going to cause you to gain the favor of God. You have the favor of God strictly through the law of faith, through allowing everything to be based, to be built, and to be breathed upon through faith. That declares that you walk in the love of God, that you know God. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. He didn't say, keep my commands in order to love me. He said, if you love me, the fruit of that is going to be keeping my commands. It's just another way of saying John 7, 38. He that believes on me, he that loves me, he that walks in accordance with my word, out of his belly is going to flow rivers of living water. There's going to be a fruit of that. Matthew chapter 7. You know a tree by its fruit, by its carpos, by what it reproduces. We're going to reproduce after our own kind. If we are a servant to, to, to the flesh and of sin, what are we going to be? We're going to, be uh, we're going to reap death. But if we beat our, our bodies as a slave to righteousness, we're going to reap the benefit of those things under the law of faith. And we'll see in Romans 8, chapter 2, that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free. Uh, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so he goes on to say, he said, is, is, is God of the Jews only or, or also the, of the Jews or the, of Gentiles? Or the heathen. Yes, he's of the Gentiles also. Folks, listen, it's a whosoever will gospel. And he was telling the, this Jewish audience, he said, listen, he's opened it up for, for everyone. He said, it's one God. There's, there's one God and we, there's not many ways to Him. We've got to come through Him and it's only through Jesus Christ. So that crowd that thinks, you know what, that the, the Jewish people right now have a free pass, are, are they His chosen people? Are they a covenant people? Absolutely. But unless they repent, unless they believe in Christ Jesus... They will perish just like anyone else. Jesus has come, and because they know that, and they continue to transgress without Christ Jesus, they will perish. I don't care what famous televangelist says that they've got a, a free pass. They don't have a free pass. The Word says that He is the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father except by Him. There's no other name under heaven wherein a man be, be saved. But at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And so that's the only way that we're justified or declared righteous before God is through that. And it's the circumcision of faith. He says that, that no longer is it circumcision a physical thing, but it's a circumcision of the heart. It's, it's a cutting away of the old parts of the heart and we're circumcised through faith. But then he says, do we make void the, 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 the law through faith? He said, God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. And so he establishes the law in our heart through faith because Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but that the, 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 the law might be fulfilled in him. And so, folks, as difficult as it was for them to walk in the law, listen, man, there's a greater law within us. It's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It is a fulfillment of those things. And so where they struggled, man, we've got victory. Where, where they stumbled, man, he has, he has ordered our steps. And so there's through the person of the Holy Spirit, we have got a victory that they never could understand, that they never could achieve. Because why? John 14 tells us the Spirit of God is within us. With every temptation, He provides a way of escape. So with every time that you want to be negligible in your walk with the Lord, He provides a way of escape. Every time you want to get angry, there's a way of escape. We have a way of escape. Because why? Because He's become our mercy seat. He's become our atonement. He's become that propitiation. He's become that, 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 that master with inside of us, that, that good shepherd that's resident with us, that's speaking to us, that's abiding in us, that's causing us to abide in Him. So that literally takes us all the way through the 31st verse and through the completion of uh, Romans chapter 3. But now here's where I've got to rewind. I've got to rewind back to verse 25. Because this is what I want to hit on in about the last eight minutes of our class to wrap up the third chapter. And it says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. I want to say that again. Faith in His 
blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Folks, listen. And I've touched on this a couple times in our lessons concerning faith and what? And genuine faith. And we talked about faith as the, 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 the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. There's all this imposter counterfeit faith that has come into the church. And literally what is it? It's robbed, it's robbed the church of the benefits and the power of faith. We're saved by grace through faith. We can look through that. Jesus would go and, and he would tell, uh, tell somebody, ask them if they wanted to be healed. And, and they'd say yes. And he'd say, well, be it according to your faith. And so all these issues, salvation, deliverance, power, all these things are associated and flow through that vehicle of faith. Faith in what? Faith in the blood of Jesus. I want to take the remainder of our time this morning to really kind of to, to, to solidify this. What is your faith in? Do you walk according to the faith that God has established? And in doing so, now we've got to go back. We've got to go back to uh, once again to that shadow of that testimony or that, that prophecy that God gave concerning faith. And so I want you, as we're looking at, at Romans 3.25 and wrapping up the third chapter, I want you to go back to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 5. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 5. Folks, listen. The just have got to live by faith. We know that from the book of Romans. That, 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 he, that, that Listen, therein is the righteousness of, of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. But in order to live by faith and walk by faith and, and experience the great benefits of faith, man, we've got to know what we're having faith in. And we've got to know what generally what faith produces. You know, does faith, should, should faith uh, be designed just to produce faith? Uh, more creature comforts. Absolutely not. But see, that's what it's become. You see, faith movements and, and faith teachings, all these things. I, I've noticed that all these things, basically what they're desired in is to, to, to heap more things upon ourselves, to bring greater riches or great, bring something to us. Folks, what you're going to find out is faith is designed to produce righteousness in the life of the believer. That's what it's for. Does God want us to, to be provided for? Absolutely. He said He's never seen the righteous forsaken. How do you get righteousness? You walk in righteousness through faith. There's that propitiation that comes into our life to declare His righteousness that, that He might be just and justifier of those that believe in Jesus according to Psalms 119 and, and verse 26. And so we know that those type of things. But listen to Isaiah 53, 1-5. Here's what He said. He said, Who has believed our report? Do you believe the report? And He says, "In whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What's so neat about that word revealed in the Hebrew, it's, 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 it's likened under that, that word of grace and it's, it's, it's a reflective word. Who is the, the arm of the Lord? Who is God's strength reflected in? And so he's asking the question, who believes the report of the Lord? Who believes his report? But as a result, he gives the follow-up question to qualify it. And he says, and so who is God's power reflected in? Then he goes on to describe this. He says, for he, speaking of Jesus, this messianic prophecy of Isaiah, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. And it says he will have no form or comeliness. And, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Folks, what that is, that's a foreshadowing of the beating that he's going to take. And, and literally what it's going to say is that when they looked upon Jesus, there was no form or comeliness. There was nothing that would, that would cause him to, to, to look like the, the son of the living God. And so they beat him literally beyond recognition. This one that came to reflect himself in us, was, was, was so, uh, there was no beauty, there was no desire, there was nothing that would say that we want to feast our eyes upon him. Literally, but when people saw him, because of the punishment that he had to endure, it was almost physically re revolting and repulsive to look upon him. Then he says, He was despised and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And it says, We hid as it were our faces from him, and he was despised, as, and we esteemed him not. There you go. It says that literally because of what he endured, people didn't even want to look upon him. It was such a, a heinous thing. The people that saw him heal and they saw him delivered, but now they had to look and they had to see him beaten and they knew he didn't deserve those type of things. And it says in verse 4 though, it says, Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrow, yet we did, uh, we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. Here's what I'm going to say and I'm going to use verse 5 to explain this and to finish off this faith in his blood. Folks, we've got to look and see what the benefit of the blood is. I'm going to tell you something today, and I want you to begin to look at it. I want you to begin to see it. The body of Christ has been topped out already, already, about at least about 75% of the benefits of the blood. Literally. Or, or the cross. I'm going to use those, names, those words uh, interchangeably with one another. When I say the cross, or I say the blood, I mean that one work of redemption that Jesus did. 
We have been talked out of at least 75% of the blood of Jesus or those benefits. And so if I'm going to walk and I'm going to have that propitiation through faith in His blood, I've got to walk in that power. Now think about this in verse 5. It says that He was wounded for our transgressions or the sins that we commit. He was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, what iniquity is, is that path of least resistance. It's that tendency towards sin. It's those, those things that we're always moving for. It's, that, it's those strongholds. It's that thing that you, you keep struggling with. It says the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. That's your thought life. And by His stripes we're healed. Now folks, you've seen this probably in your own life. We can say, if I, if I go to someone and I say, listen, God will forgive you. He paid the price for your sins. Most churches in America, and we'll say this to the American church because that's what we're most familiar with, even though these teachings go out internationally. It's, it's probably very widespread even on, a, on an international basis, especially Western Europe and Western type of civilizations. Most people at churches, you know, if you ask somebody, listen, well, if, if somebody goes up to the church and says, listen, I've lived a, a wicked life and, and would, would God forgive me of all these type of things? Most people will believe that they repent, God will forgive them. They believe that if I confess my sins and, and I repent, that God is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Most people will, will believe that. Nobody would ever expect to go to, go to ask a, prayer, a pastor to pray for them and, say, and, the, and ask the pastor, listen, if I repent and turn away from my sins, will God forgive me? The pastor would never, they would never expect the pastor to say to them, well, if it's God's will, he'll forgive you. They'd never say that. Why? Because they know that it's God's will to forgive the repentant sinner and those that, that, that would come to him and humble themselves before him. Now let's move forward a little bit. He said, but not only was the blood for to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but also he was bruised. The blood was for our iniquities or those tendencies towards those type of sins. Now think about this. People always talk about that deliverance or healing or salvation and all these things. You know, you go to somebody that's on drugs. Well, it's a process. You know, it may not happen instantaneously. Well, folks, does forgiveness happen instantaneously? Absolutely. I've got to believe that, man, boom, once the blood hits my sin, it is obliterated. So why can't we preach that same cross and that same blood to, to people that says, listen, man, if you'll repent for that drug addiction, for that crack cocaine addiction, for that alcoholism, for that homosexuality that you've been bound by, for that lying, angry spirit, that if you believe that the blood of Jesus is enough for you and you have faith in the blood, faith in the cross, faith in that work that Jesus has done, boom, instantaneously, you'll be delivered from the things. Folks, I said here's a testimony of someone that, man, when I got born again, when I got bathed in the blood, as we like to use that, that terminology, and when I got cleansed from all unrighteousness, so many things that I was instantaneously changed and I never found myself diverting back or going back into that same old type of relationship. Why? Because I got told a, a message that was faked not in myself, not in my willpower, not in my ability to do something in the flesh, but faith in the blood of Jesus. And so then the, 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 the chastisement of our peace or the ability to overcome our thought life. You'll tell somebody you can have victory over your thinker, over the way that you think. Well, you know what? I don't know if I can really do that. Maybe part of the time, maybe whatever else. Folks, listen, faith in the blood produces thoughts. When we keep our minds stayed upon Him, when we cast down imaginations, any high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bringing those things into captivity under the obedience of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. How do we get those things? By, 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 by faith in the blood of Jesus. By being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That is repentance. That is faith in the blood of Jesus. And by His stripes we're healed. Folks, we say all the time, you know what, if it's God's will for God to heal you. Now, people never say, well, if it's God's will, He'll instantaneously deliver you. They'll say, if it's God's will, uh, maybe he'll, he'll cause you not to think that way. If it's God's will, he'll, he'll heal you. Folks, listen, all those things are God's will. He has established that in the truth. But we have been talked out of deliverance. We've been talked out of a new thought life. We've been talked out of, of, of divine healing. Why? Because we've not genuinely had our faith in the right place. We've had our faith in what we've seen rather than what God has said. And we based all those things on on, this, on what the church has deluded those things to. And I say the church because it falls squarely upon our responsibility because we have failed to preach the Word of God in holiness and in righteousness and in the truth. And what we've done is we've literally talked ourselves out of about 75% of the benefits of the blood of Jesus. And we've got to get back to that place. And the only place that we're going to do is to bring ourselves back to that narrow place, to bring ourselves down to that precision, to continue to bring our axe to that grinding stone and continue to get into the Word and to undo all that bad and erroneous things that we've been taught that have talked us out of walking in the power of God. Folks, listen. If we're going to have faith in Jesus, 
That propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness, we've got to walk in 100% of faithfulness. What I encourage you to do as we close out today is go back and say, God, I need a revelation of the full benefit of the cross of Calvary. Faith totally in the blood of Jesus. Faith for my, not only faith for my salvation, but faith for my deliverance. Faith for me to walk in, in victory. Faith for my peace of mind. Faith for my thought life. Faith, faith that I might have. And faith for my, my, my physical healing and the power of God to work in miracles. Folks, we're out of time today. I encourage you to get into God's Word and allow God's Word to get into you.